Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield. This is a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Chad Jarvis. And uh, how are you doing there, Chad? I'm doing all right. I'm coming to realization that we are two games away from the end of the season and, you know, hopefully have three more in us. But it's kind of a little bittersweet that we're winding her down for this calendar year. How are you tonight, Noah? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm good, but it, you're right, Chad. It's it's really crazy just how quickly this season has flown by in some ways. I, yeah. it, here we are, you know, 44 games in. And I, I mean, I have to say, I, you asked me four months ago, did I think we'd be in the position that we're in now? And I would have said, hell no, I would have laughed to you, laughed at you. My, my sentiments are the exact same. I mean, yeah, where we were. You know, even what? Eh, no, you can say since January we've been okay. We've yeah. been all right. We've kind of turned it around. Yeah, may- maybe maybe before Christmas. Yeah, right before Christmas. Can you imagine but- this? This season's been so long. We've dealt with a relegation battle and a promotion battle in the same season. Is it possible? It is possible at this point. I mean. At- you know, we have our fate in our own hands, which is the exact position that you want to be in at this point in the season. You're not praying for other teams to lose. I mean, obviously, you'd like to see it. I'd like to see Blackburn lose. I'd like to see Boro lose. But at the same time, you know, we win and we're in. That That's what it comes down to these last two games of the season. We beat QPR on Friday. We beat Fulham on May 7th at home. And we're in the playoffs. Yeah, agreed. So, agreed. great win on Saturday against Cardiff. You know, I it wasn't. It was a good result. I'll, I'll I say gonna, that. I was yeah. about to say it wasn't a great win. It was a huge win, massive win. But I, I think it was maybe not one of our most memorable wins of the season. Fair? No. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that because. This these last handful of games that we've played, you know, it, it was good to get the skipper back. And he had, I mean, when he came on, he instantly changed the flow of the game. And yeah. we weren't like, we weren't like forcing everything through the Indai and in the law firm. But hopefully now the goals will come for Sharp as he tries to drag us to the Premier League. Because, I mean, that's our only avenue right now. I mean, you know, moments of brilliance from the law firm and then and die is, is what we're going to need if Sharp can't score, you know, just like what happened on, on Saturday. We needed and die to bail us out, and he, he did. One of them did. So I like our chances of where we're going. Like you said, we need two games to win the last two games, and we're in. Yes, I'm rooting as hard as anybody for the other teams to lose to make it easier on us. But, you know, like you said, our destiny's in our own hands. And we, we took care of business on Saturday. Yeah. You know, barring results, I think probably based on who the other teams in and around us are playing, because I think of the teams chasing, all of them have to play either Bournemouth or Fulham in one of their last two games. And that's going to be a challenging game. And I think that the majority of teams are going to drop points against those two. So, 
you know, with that being said, maybe, and the hope is, is that realistically we can win against QPR on Friday and then go on and get, hopefully, hopefully just get a draw against, you know, and on the beach and hopefully by then champion Fulham. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Fulham's going to want to lose this last home game at Craven Cottage, the sec- their, their second to last game before they play us next weekend. I don't think they want to lose that game. So they're going to go out and probably win, raise the trophy the whole nine yards Saturday, which I am okay with because then that takes another another team out of the running. That's fine because I'll play for a draw next Saturday. We just need to get three points against QPR. Absolutely. Right you are, Chad. So I want to just, before we get into reviewing our game, kind of address the elephant in the room, or shall I say the other American in the room, and that's the bald eagle. Yeah, the the bald eagle in the room. (laughs) Uh, And that's Henry Morris. Morris? Morris? One of those two. I I sound like a Texan when I say that. Henry (laughs) Morris. That's me doing an impression of the Tufty Club's impression of an American. He shot me. Welcome to the red half of Sheffield. <laughs> he pinned uh, it in the corner and hit it with his ass. I don't know. They just have random, random American inspirations. It, <laughs> the back and forth that we've been doing with them for like the last several weeks where we'll do an impression of them doing an impression of us and then they'll do an impression of us doing an impression of them doing an impression of us. And it's just this whole meta game that we're doing right now with each other. It's uh, ridiculous. Um, Anyway, so Henry Morris, he apparently is a resident of Burbank, California. As I tweeted out, that's about 25 miles from where I live. And of course, everyone's like, you know, you should find him, go rummaging through his garbage, go see what kind of TV he's got in in his house and, uh, you know, just see if he's got the money to, to afford the blades. And I've tried to do as much research on him, just like the majority of other Sheffield United podcasters and um, and content creators for Sheffield United. Of course, I turned up just about what everybody else did to this point. I do want to highlight the Pinches uh, reporting because they brought some new information to light. If you are not subscribed to the Pinch, which is done by the Dem Blades guys, absolutely take a moment, read through that, subscribe to it, consider contributing as well. I am a member of the Pinch. Uh, I pay, I I can't remember what it was. It was something really cheap. It was like five quid or something like that. Really, really not, not expensive. And, you know, is supporting Sheffield United content creators out there, which we love to do. We love to support the other content creators. And I just wanted to take a moment to highlight their reporting, which was brilliant. And then also Andrew from Blades Pod, Panchero, Roy, um, whatever, whatever name you want to, to give him. He also did a great article kind of highlighting the media and the podcasters and the content creators for Sheffield United. And just want to give a shout out to him for a really great article. So yeah, definitely go check out the pinch if you get a moment. But yeah, some new information sort of came into light. Like I said, it's highlighted in the article, but uh, apparently they don't know what his net worth is. They estimate that it was 
in the billions, but nobody knows for sure. His his uh, income is not listed in any public forum that we could get access to, but he allegedly made a bid for Sheffield United that was about 115 million pound, which, you know, the club is valued at 90 million pound right now. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a higher bid than what the club is worth. And, you know, if the Prince were to take it, that would be a massive, massive win for him because he's getting return on investment that is you know i I mean unreal i i can't i don't even know what he what he put in to buy the club but it's a massive return on investment from him and if this guy henry morris can invest in the club fix the shirecliff facility and put in some money into buying some decent players including morgan gibbs white on a permanent i'm all for it if he's going to leverage the club against itself in order to complete the purchase as has been speculated then to be honest i'd i'd rather stick with the devil i know in 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 the prince rather than the devil i don't yeah no i would agree with that i mean as we've all heard of in, in the last you know three or so days it's coming out that this could possibly be a front for mike ashley wanting to buy the team the dude's not very popular can't find any info on him so i don't really know what's going on with the situation because then you read the article that says the prince says it's got less than a 50 percent chance of going through you know all this mumbo jumbo whatever they're talking about you know media i I wasn't able to read the article because i don't read know how to read arabic so i don't know it's a lot of speculation then it says it's been confirmed on what friday and then now it was it's just a big whirlwind of like shit and it's like what like what are we going to accomplish here and then apparently now the athletics doing an an article on it that is going to is tied along with the, the takeover move to linking it to how if the takeover happens a new training ground needs to be uh developed for us because it's it's going to come out that a bunch of our ish issues and injuries right here down the stretch have come from a bad pitch at our training ground so it's i guess wilder tried to get it replaced when he was in charge they told him no so i don't know there's a lot of a lot of pandora's box is going to be opened if this takeover goes through i have a feeling so i I want it to happen. It would be cool. It would be good. It would be something different from the, the club. And like you said, maybe he has good investment ideas for the club, like signing some good players and maybe getting us back to the promised land. But you never know. We could we could just get drove right into the ground. You never know. And I think also they're eagerly awaiting to see what happens at the end of the season because I've said – and I've said this multiple times on this podcast, if we go up, all of the money, the parachute money that the Prince had previously leveraged against the club, we, that money was already spent. You know, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore because we yeah. borrowed we borrowed on a massive interest rate against that money to buy yeah. players. So now, yeah. now I wonder if I wonder if we go up does he see the value of the club obviously go up since we're in the Premier League as, as opposed to 
staying in the championship? Is he willing to offload us if we stay in the championship as opposed to hold on to us if we go up to the Premier League I, I to make his ex- pockets richer? I think that's exactly what it is, Chad. I, I really think that the Prince is playing the waiting game to see if we're somehow able to achieve promotion through the playoff. Because if that does happen, you know, we've always talked about, I mean, the level, the difference as far as what the income is for the club based on the TV rights from the Premier League, I mean, is massive. Premier League, mm-hmm. the championship, the t- TV rights are so different. I mean, just the American TV rights alone. You know, the fact that championship games get shown on ESPN Plus, which is not regular TV. You have to have a subscription to ESPN Plus just to watch the, whatever, 10 or 11 games that we've had on ESPN Plus this year versus every game, every game in the Premier League gets shown on NBC or one of its affiliates, every single one. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's, you know, prime slots on Saturday mornings in the United States or Saturday afternoons on the East coast. So yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it, it could be massive monetary monetary it will be, it, it's not even could, it will be massive monetarily for the club. If we do go up. Yeah. I just, you know me, I just hate that everything's controlled by the almighty dollar. And it's a shame that it's that way now, but you know, if you're going to play with the big boys, you have to have, bundles and bundles of, of money. Yeah, I mean, just to just to even have a sniff, yeah. honestly, it's, it's just, that's big business for you. You know, they're all chasing the, the glory and you want to have your brand all over everything. So, I mean. Sounds, sounds like uh, you want a socialist football club, Amrad <laughs> Chad. Oh, uh, yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know what I want. I, I like it. I'd like it to happen because it, like I said, it'd be a different change. And maybe the new prospect of a new owner brings in new players, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And how involved I, he is with, you know, like wanting to update maybe issues around Bramble Lane and the training ground. Like we've, we've talked about, you know, just, little small things, you know, that, that don't take up all the spotlight. Yeah. Buying the players and the kits and all that stuff, all the flashy stuff. That's cool. But what do you do behind the scenes? And the current owner, honestly, behind the scenes hasn't really done much. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you, Chad, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of a damned if we do damned, if we don't sort of situation in some ways, because just there's so many question marks surrounding the whole situation. Yeah. And, and if just felt like Friday, everything was complete. And then, cause I remember you texting, Hey, let's do a pod. And I said, let's just make the, let's just wait to talk about it after we review Cardiff. And then let's wait for the app actual club statement saying that the club has been taken over because you know everybody's going to talk about it but we're all just speculating right now because we haven't had that announcement now it sounds like it's up in the air so only time will tell right and i will say if you haven't done so go ahead and give the four blades in a pub podcast listen their most recent episode i thought they did a really good job of kind of breaking down some of the like you know kind of crazy stuff that has gone on with sheffield united's various owners over the last 35 years Mm -hmm. yeah it's good yeah i listened to it too yeah very insightful yeah absolutely 
100%. You know, those guys don't put out regular podcasts, but when they do, it's really, really good. So just wanted to quickly give them a shout out as well, because, hey, we've shouted out almost everybody else. I guess if we're doing this, we might as well, you know, shout out Hal and Nick (laughs) for the content that they produce. We're like Oprah. We're like Oprah. You get one and you get one and you get one. Everybody gets a shout out. <laughs> oh, that was scary good. I, yeah, I it was. To... Oh, yeah, geez. that was. In, an, in another life, I, I probably would have been a voice actor. <laughs> so another bit of news that we want to touch on, positive bit of news. We all knew it was coming, but the skipper, the legend, the goat, Sir William of Sharp has signed a contract extension one more year at least for Billy Sharp. Um, So happy to hear it. Obviously, he came into this game that we're going to talk about in a bit, as you mentioned, Chad, completely changed it, and he's still got a lot to give. I mean, you just love to see it. He's going to be 37 next year. It's crazy. A 36-year-old playing, you know, top, top football. Not top, top, but championship football like in the manner that he's playing. It's just unreal. It's just unreal. The guy just continually turns back the clock. And you can't, here's the thing, you can't teach the will, the will and the drive to continue to play like Billy Sharp has played. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it. it's just, it's something that I've never seen before. I mean, we're at the second level and he is still going up against guys that are what? 10, 15 years younger than him. Yeah. With ease, he's just, he's, I mean, and he's making it look easy. I mean, if it weren't for Mitro and Solanke, Billy Sharp's right up there with, I think he's in the top 10 goal scorers of the league this year. I mean, so for 36 years old, and now a year from now, he'll be 37. Dude, that's going to be nuts, man. An ageless wonder. He's basically like Tom Brady over here, you know, aside from winning all the championships. But the accolades, you know, are endless. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. He is the 10th highest scorer in the league, and that's with him missing a number of games this year. Yeah, I mean, he's missed a chunk right here at the end, and and there's no telling how many goals he would have had. He'd probably finish in the top five, top, top five to eight. Yeah, one of the questions we asked was, could Billy get get to 20 this year? Obviously, that's not going to be possible unless he scores two hat tricks in successive games, one against top top 10 sides in Fulham and QPR. I just don't think that's going to happen. But still, 14 goals, potentially more in the last two games. It's nothing to sneeze at, man. No, no. I mean, I, I hope this form continues and into next year, too. You know, but the whole thing is, is that now we've got him at the at the club for one more year. That's another year that the youngsters can learn under him. Like, obviously, probably Jebison's going to go out on loan to start next year. Brewster can come back and learn from him. You know, whoever else we bring in 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 the the striker room next year can learn from uh, an all time great player. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, it's so funny. You know, we had strikers to start, but now you feel like come summer, we're going to be looking to sign at least one more striker. I'd like one more, you know, younger striker and then maybe a striker with 
some some goal scoring experience in either League One or the championship to just kind of back Billy up. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, Chad, do you want to jump into our review of our game against Cardiff here? Might as well. So all I have to say about the first 15 minutes of this game is big old oof. I mean, we gave the ball away probably three or four times, and it led to chances for Cardiff. Fifth minute. We gave the ball away to Jordan Hugel, who sprung the counterattack. He passed to Max Waters, who basically one-on-one with Egan, got past Eags, turned him around, and took a hard low shot that was saved by clean sheet Wes with his feet. Really, really poor from Egan there. Uh, Made a daft challenge, like I said, just outside the box. And Waters read that as easy as you could read a pamphlet and got past him. A better team scores that goal. Scores the goal there. Oh, yeah. Like we we talked on the last pod, Egan, where's he gone, man? Where has he gone? Now I wonder if it's he's played forty four games, and then he's gone on an international duty. Is there something where he's like he's worn out, but he can see the end in sight, and yeah. he's he, he's you know he's just trying to make it to the end. He's just trying to drag himself to the end because he he looks like dead tired out there. He looks yeah. absolutely exhausted in the game. Yeah, it's accumulation of games, man. You know, we we've all, we we said all season the championship is rigorous. It is one of the toughest leagues to get out of and to get into the Premier League because of how rigorous it is. You know, yeah. forty six hard hard fought games throughout the season, and it, I think it's just kind of catching up to him. You know, yeah, I would agree with that. But it's just it's crazy to see that you know a player of his caliber just get beat like a drum over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. So Wes had himself a shocking moment early on as he was given a back pass by Robinson and then promptly passed it right into the feet of waters who passed to a drama uh, who lost the ball and it was cleared out nervy moments early on for United there. What is this? The third time he's done it this year. I mean, I, I can, Remember the other one where he, he, like, popped it up and gave it to the, the attacking player on the other team. But it's just like, dude, what what are you doing, man? What, I mean, under no sort of pressure at all and just passes it right to him. It's unbelievable. Undisciplined. Yep. Yep. 14th minute, United's first chance. Gibbs White down the left-hand side. He passed to Njaye, who flicked it back to the law firm, who put in a ball looking for Badgay. It was deflected to the D, and Osborne comes racing in and strikes it with a venom. But Cardiff keeper Phillips makes a parrying save to the left of goal. I thought it was a good chance for Ozzy, and um, also a great save by Phillips. He was he was bright in this game. Ben Osborne was bright. Yep, definitely. 18th minute, good ball over the top. Waters got on it at the byline. He put in a cross that eventually found Bagan, and he couldn't get a clean strike on it. I think Wes got a piece after a mistimed jump looking to claim the ball. And again, a little bit dodgy from Wes there. Yeah. It looked like his confidence was a little rattled to start this one. But I don't know if it was you thought the same thing I did. I think like these last couple of games to begin the game, it's like we've been sleepwalking through the, like the first 15 minutes. Not really much doing, giving the ball away, just playing very like, 
just like very lax. It's like, mm-hmm. come on, guys, get your head in the game. These are massive games here. I mean, it's not like we're playing the 17th game of the season. This is game 44. You should be locked in and loaded, ready to go. Yep. No, I, I agree. I agree. And I mean, it's good thing that he that he grew into the game that like like he did. But yeah, I, like you said, Chad, we've been a little lackadaisical and to start games. And I mean, you could say all season we haven't really scored that much in the first half. How many games have gone into the halftime drawn nil nil? Oh, probably at least over 50 percent, I'd say. Right. Yeah. I'd say higher. I'd say maybe 60 percent. Yeah. 20th minute, we really started to flip the switch finally as Stevens down the left-hand side pass to Fleck, who in turn first-time touch pass to Njaye, who got it to Gibbs-White about 25 yards or so out. Sander Berge made a, a good run, and the law firm floated it over the top, and Berge unfortunately is too close to Phillips, who is able to make the save. You know, a step quicker from Bad Gay or a little bit lighter of a floated pass from Gibbs White, and I think he's in and gets a better opportunity there. But it was a good ball from the law firm, I have to say. Yeah, Sandy Burge, uh, he played – he started to turn it on. We, we, it seemed like as we as he went, we went, you know. It, it started out as a struggle at the beginning, and then once Sandy Burge got a good foothold in the game, then everything started to kind of change for us in in our favor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a little bit after that, Stevens got beat by drama down the right-hand side from a Cardiff point of view, and Jack Robinson made a great covering tackle, put the ball out for a corner. Good job from uh, Jackie Longthrow there. Thought thought he had a solid game. He was the best defender. Yeah, yeah. He didn't play. He didn't play too bad, considering the last couple of games he's played a little. He's wobbled a little bit at the back, and he was responsible for what that goal against Reading. He was responsible for. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's good to see him rebound, you know. And he's playing for a job next year, you know. So he's out of contract, you know. He wants to play good down the stretch. See if somebody picks him up. If we can't re- if we aren't going to resign him, I should say. Yeah, and if we're not going to get Ben Davies, but at this point. I don't know. I mean, I to me, I think Jackie Longthrow has been playing better than Ben Davies. I would agree. I would agree with that. 100%. So, so United won a free kick down the right-hand side some 30 yards out. Fleck takes it and puts it into the right-hand side of the box. The law firm got a little flick on to Sander Berge, who gets a foot to it, but it loops high and is caught easily enough by Phillips. 37th minute, United's best chance of the first half. Norwood, about 28 yards from goal, puts a pass to Bash on the right-hand side. He finds the law firm Morgan Gibbs-White just outside the area on the right, and he put in a great pass to Berge. He drove past his mark and took a shot that was saved oh so brilliantly by Phillips. He just got his fingers to it, and live, it looked like Berge just put it wide. But um, on the replay, you could see that ball had eyes for goal, and Phillips made a great save. Yeah, it, it felt at this point like, like I had talked. Once Sandy Barge got in control, he just kept going and going, and the momentum just started to kind of slant in our direction. And this is another good opportunity that if it wasn't for a good good save from the keeper, we're probably 1-0 up. Yep, yep. 
The last chance of the half came to Cardiff as drama down the right-hand side put in a great cross that was headed over goal by Egan. And um, last-ditch defending there from Eags made up for his prior mistake earlier in the half. And that was the end of the, the first half. Not a ton of action, but I did think after that first you know, 10, 15 minutes or so, we controlled like the majority of play, large, large stretches of play. Yeah, you could tell we were the better side. You know, it was just a matter of time. And now, I mean, I have obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but I didn't know we were going to score. I didn't have a feeling we were going to score. I just felt like we were in more of a possession and more of control of the game. And speaking of that goal, the second half starts and then Osborne down the right-hand side. He plays a through ball for Morgan Gibbs-White. He's sort of sealed off by a Cardiff defender, and uh, the law firm passed back to Bash, who gets it back to the law firm, who takes a touch and puts in probably one of his sweetest crosses of the season. He finds Illiman and Jaye, who heads it into the back of the net, united up, 1-0, a handshake and a bow to Morgan Gibbs-White and Njaye. I mean, that was an awesome goal. I want them, you know... Obviously, everybody wants us to buy the law firm, but this link-up play between these two players, it needs to happen more, and I like a lot when it happens because it ultimately always ends in goals and more goals and goals. With Sharp expected to start against QPR, the question is, is who do you take out of the midfield? Do you take Fleck and then play a two in the midfield or play a two holding midfield and then the two attacking midfield and then sharp up top. I don't see. I I think we're going to go back to our old lineup that saw and die on the bench and we're going to play with Gibbs white in there and we're going to leave sharp as the, the, the lone striker. So we're going to every, I think we're still going to funnel everything through the law firm and Sandy barge. We're going to go through those two, and I think Ndiaye comes out and goes to the bench. And then we have Fleck and Norwood in there. Yeah. You know, I I think we're going to go back to more of our, our, you know, normal lineup we had for, what, probably two months in a row? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. I kind of like, you know, maybe around the 60th minute taking Fleck out and putting Ndiaye in if we're looking for a more attacking sort of lineup. But... Yeah, I think to start games, we'll probably revert back to the three, like five, one, one, basically. Yeah, that's probably our more sensible lineup right now, considering the players we have. Yep. Yep. As we already mentioned, Sander Badgay had a great, great game, um, making marauding runs into the box, beating his man almost every single time in the box. And yeah, belter of a game from him. He is... Definitely one of my men of the match for sure. So we had a low light in this game that I want to just quickly mention here as Osborne and Norwood like bungled into each other. And that started a counter for Cardiff and led Bash to have to take, uh, you know, a sort of cynical foul as he brought down the Cardiff player. It earned him a yellow card there. But yeah, it was just hilarious watching Osborne, Osborne and Norwood just bungle into each other or more really norwood bungling over osborne you know yeah i don't really understand what was going on there it was just like dude do you guys not know how to get out of the way or what yeah 
Yeah, but we were able to win the ball back when we did give it away. Um, we really didn't give them many chances. They didn't have a sniff really for t- 25 minutes of that second half. No, yeah. I mean, once we got the goal and went ahead, I didn't think we were going to concede. I figured, okay, there's going to be a couple times we're going they're going to open us up on the counter. But other than that, I wasn't really scared by Cardiff. You can see this is a team that is where they are in the table for a reason because they just don't – they don't have – they give it to you for spells and then they go missing for most of the game, you know? Yep. Yep, absolutely. 65th minute, Fleck at the top of the box. He played in Robinson who tried to find Njaye, but it deflected to Morgan Gibbs-White basically at the byline. He tried a shot, uh, went wide, and – then, in the 70th minute, the return of the king, the goat, Sir William of Sharp, he comes in and, like we said already, really added something to our play. Uh, not before, though, uh, Cardiff got their best chance of this game, as off of a long throw by Volks, it finds Curtis Nelson, who headed it at Fodderingham, and it is saved by Clean Sheet West relatively easily. But um, Sharp's hold-up play finding those little spaces to get into and receive passes from the midfield. It was honestly brilliant. I, this is, if this is sharp at 75%, I'm really excited to see him start on Friday against QPR. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had momentum, but we kind of were like, all right, we need something to change up. So then they brought sharp on and just his hold up play. I think, what it wasn't very long, wasn't he? Was he nailed for offsides? Yeah. Okay. So four minutes after being subbed on, Billy Sharp's called for offsides. So I mean, already he's doing something else than you know, not ha- ha- playing almost a false nine for us, not having those players that are getting trying to stretch the back line and putting him into the game just turns the game on its ear. You know, it's good yeah. to see him out there. I'm glad because he can make he's going to make stuff happen that, you know, the likes of McBurney and Jebison couldn't do for us. Yep. Yep, definitely. So at one point, I can't remember when exactly the law firm put in a great ball over the top for Sharp, who was brought down into the box, just kind of run over and looked a stonewall pen to me. Nothing was given. I mean, did you think that was a pen, Chad? Theatrics. I think it was theatrics. I think it was a sk- the skipper's know knows what he's doing. I mean, even I think it was Kevin Gage said, you know, that's just theatrics there from the skipper. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, I, I think it was just he he was just trying to draw a pen. You know, maybe we could get the home crowd on the ref's back and maybe make him a, make a decision to where he gives us a pen, even though. I didn't think it was anything. I think that's probably a good take. I mean, obviously the fans watching were booing the ref afterwards because they thought it was a stonewall pen live. It looked a pen to me, but I kind of agree with your assessment there, Chad. So on the break, Norwood put in a great pass for Sharp, who looked to be in, but a Cardiff defender caught up with him, and he wasn't able to get a good shot away as it was saved easily by the keeper, Phillips. 84th minute, Tommy Doyle passed to Caldwell outside the box. He took a shot that was way high. And then I want to highlight another moment in which Sharp was absolutely brilliant. Osborne put in a ball over the top on the right-hand side of the pitch down the line, 
And basically at the corner flag, Billy gets to it. He holds the play up and the ball is eventually put out by Cardiff defender. But, you know, the drive and fight from that man coming back from injury and up one nil was just unparalleled. I mean, we said it before, but at 36 with like and up one nil in this game, you know, which I think we kind of knew was probably going to be enough to put the game to to bed at that point. Uh, Billy Sharp. Some fight in him. Some fight in him. Yep. 89th minute, another pen shot. I thought this was weaker than the first. Uh, Stevens was taken down in the box. Right after that, the law firm had a shot that was blocked, um, and it looked actually to go off the arm of a Cardiff defender, but, uh, of course, nothing was given. And <laughs> I also kind of want to take a moment here to acknowledge something Kevin Gage said on the broadcast that just made me bust up laughing right like at the 90th minute before the board was held up to show how much stoppage time. Matthew Young said something to the effect of, if I were to say, if I were to say there would be five added minutes, what would you say? And, and Kevin Gage responded like, I'd say, oh, no. And then Young was like, there's going to be five added minutes of stoppage. And Kevin Gage immediately was just like, oh, no. (laughs) I busted up laughing. Oh, my God. So funny. We all know. We all know the Tufty Club impressions. It's just, it's embarrassing. Thank God we only have, oh, well, we don't get Mr. Gage this weekend because we are a primetime slot. We're an afternoon slot here in the. United States, so we don't get him, and we probably won't get him for the full-on game either. Yeah, probably not. The last real chance of the game came to United as Ollie Norwood put in a great pass to Gibbs White on the break, and he played in Berge, who did a little fake-out on the keeper and then just tried to pass it into the open left side of the net, and it hits the upright. Oh, my goodness. So unlucky. Should have put the game to bed there, but Thankfully, it didn't matter. And then that was full time. Three massive, massive points. And yeah, that was that was it. I, and who was your man of the match, Chad? I think I'll go. The club gave it to Indai, I think, because of the goal. Yeah. I, 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 I'm probably going to go with the law firm, even though... I texted you at halftime and said the law firm has been horrible in the first half because he's trying to do everything. And then as soon as that cross came in and they scored the goal, I said, Heckenbottom must have got into his ass at halftime and said, you've got to play better. And instantly, you know, as he came out at second half and he played brilliant in the second half, in my opinion. So my man of the match is the law firm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Berge also – you probably could have shouted out Bedgay as well. Yeah. I thought he had a great game. You know, everything did everything but score in this one, really. I'm going to give it to Bedgay. Yeah. So we go again. Our penultimate game of this championship season, regular season, that is, as we like to say in the United States, the, the regular season. It's another Americanism that probably you've never heard on the other side of the pond if you're listening to to this over there and they've been on bad form lately i mean they were all but in the playoffs two months ago and recently they they lost to stoke city this past weekend one nil away they beat darby county who are at this point down and out uh one nil prior to that they drew huddersfield 
lost to Preston 2-1 away. And then, of course, we know we beat them a few weeks back 1-0 at home for us. Um, but this one is away. It is an 11.45 a.m. start as far as I'm concerned. That's a 7.45 p.m. British summertime start. And Chad, has there been any change in the last couple of weeks? Or do we have to look out for anybody who's been hot for them recently? No, because, I mean, to be honest with you, they've been dropping like a stone in in. The goal against Darby came in the 88th minute. It was Luke Amos, go- Luke Amos' goal to win it. But other than that, I mean, they have been struggling to score goals. They only they okay. They drew with Huddersfield two goals, Amos and Elias Chair again. So it honestly, we know who they're gonna go honestly go through. Luke Amos, Elias Chair, those are their big, their big name players. They've got Lyndon Dykes too. He's got eight goals for him. I mean, they're just dropping like a stone, and I think it's they're right for the picking right now, and we need to go and win this game. Yep. They don't scare me right now. QPR doesn't scare me. They're they're going the other way, and we're concentrated on where we need to be. So I'm confident we can win this game. And it's and it's weird that I say I'm confident that we win this game because we sh- we honestly should win it. Do you think that Njaye comes out, Sharp goes in, and then it's basically the same starting yeah. 11? Yeah, I would agree with that. that that's going to be my starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah, you just re- replace Njaye with with Sharp and, and roll with it. it. I mean, does Baldock come back healthy? Does he play? I mean, that could be that's the only other injury issue we right. have in the side. So yeah, if you he- were to be healthy. Hecky did say that Balduck should be fit to start on Friday. Yeah. So you'll probably have Ozzy come out and Balduck will come back in and that'll be your in in sh- the sharp change and that'll be your starting 11 for QPR. What about a score prediction from you there Chad? I think we're going to get two. I think Sharp gets on the scoreboard and I think Sandy Barge scores one because he hit the post. I like it. I like it. I'm going to say 2-1. I think they do wind up finding the back of the net once, but I think it's still a win for us, a much needed win. And this is it, man. This is the season in one game. Mm-hmm. We win, and I I really think that we have a damn good shot at making the playoffs. Yeah, I I'd say if we win this game, we've probably got about an eighty percent chance of making the playoffs. Yep. Yep. You know, again, you hearken back to some of the games earlier in the season that we should have rightly won Mm -hmm. or at least gotten points from, and you just shake your head and you're like, why are we even in this position at this point, you know? Yeah. We we should have already clinched a playoff spot. The Swansea draw, the Birmingham result we lost at the beginning of the season. I mean, right there, that's, what, six points right there we took one out of six points between those two matches. It's just like, I don't know. If we would have had Hecky from the beginning, we probably would have been safely, securely in the, the playoffs. I don't if know. not, if not challenging no for autos, if not challenging yeah. for autos. We, we've said that multiple times on the podcast, but yep. yeah. One last thing I just want to quickly touch on here, Chad. So um, I don't know if now is a good opportunity to to talk about the players who are going to be out of contract because it was posited by, I think, the Shoreham View 
as far as the players who are going to be out of contract come the end of the year, who would we like to keep and who would we like to see go? And I mean, it's between Ditze if he's able to get healthy again, Bash and Ozzy. You can only keep two. That was the question that was posed. That was posed, and I said, obviously, it has to be Bash and Ozzy. I mean, McGoldrick. Yeah. I, and I, I tweeted this out, McGoldrick, one of my favorite players over the last 10 years. I have his name on the back of my kit for this year for a reason. Mm -hmm. Love that man. But gun to my head, only keeping two of those, it's got to be Bash and Ozzy. Yeah. I mean, I would agree 100% with you. Those we can afford. We, we, we know we can get what we can get out of them. McGoldrick, yeah, he carried us last season and – you know, he was looking in right good form when he got injured this year. So there's no telling what would have happened with the continuation of this season if he would have been healthy. But, yeah, I would agree. Ozzy, he does too much off the bench for us, and Bash is just a rock. Look, how many games did we play without him in the back and all the goals we conceded since he's been in there? We It's like we've, we've closed up shop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. It's got to be those two. And 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 one thing with with did say our our midfield is getting a lot younger. With you know and die, the likes of some of the players that we've saw come in. So it's almost like a changing of the guard type deal. You know, he's getting up there in age. You don't know if he can go through the rigors of a season. So. I mean, that that's big business, you know, you hate to say it, but yeah, if the wages are good, if the wages are good, then yeah, absolutely. You sign him to a one year deal, but you know, if his agent comes in and gives a high figure and you're just, just like, we can't afford him, then we have to see him go and he'll probably sign with either a lower level championship club next year or uh, a, a team that's challenging for promotion in league one. Mm hmm. Yeah, agreed. So I think that is just about all the time that we have for this episode of the Red Half of Sheffield. Chad, why don't you let the people know where they can find you on social media? They can find me at Blades in the USA on Facebook and Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Jarvis underscore 13 on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me, Noah Snyder, on Twitter at Nessman930 and on Instagram at SunPuck. If you haven't done so already, please, please like and follow this podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, you can you can find us at the Red Half of Sheffield. And then on Twitter, we are at Red Sheffield. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead, give us a five-star review if you like what you're hearing, and maybe a little comment um, about the job that you think we're doing over here. And until this Friday, when we play QPR away. Up the blades, Chad. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards.